0: So it's been a week for us. Um, Every now and then you just have those weeks where everything comes unraveled all at the same time, and it creates a bit of a stressor in the week. Um, So Shelly's dad, some of you know, but he became sick with the flu last week, and I know a lot of you have, but that became a little bit more interesting for him because he had a pre-existing lung condition to where his... Um, breathing has been inhibited by what they perceived to be a lung disease that was only going to get worse, um, like 20 minutes to tie your shoes because you're out of breath sort of lung condition. Um, and he got the flu, so you put those together, and it became uh, a serious point of concern. Uh, and Stephen and Shelly could testify, being a workaholic, he, like, wouldn't stop. Like, you can't even get up and tie your shoes, but you're going to go to work every day, and you're going to continue to try to do what you do. And that's what he did. He continued to try to do those things. And uh, there was a couple of instances where people became very concerned about him because uh, near blacking out, falling over in the middle of your day, that makes people around you a little nervous. Um, So that was going on. And then um, last week... Uh, he planned to attend a, uh, a work meeting on Thursday morning. So Wednesday night, he was planning on getting up Thursday morning and going to this. Need I remind you, you can't walk to the bathroom at this point because he's near blacking out. But he's going to go to a work meeting. And so Wednesday night, Shelly's mom is extremely restless due to anxiety over her husband who thinks he's going to get up and go do this thing in the morning. But he can't get up and walk down the hall. Um so <clears throat> just anxiously all night long, the way she tells it, she was just up praying for her husband all night long. She was trying to comfort herself and find direction and and praying for her husband all night long, praying, don't let him go, don't let him go, don't let him go. Like he's being foolish to want to go to this meeting. God step in the way, don't let him go. And she describes it just all night long, prayer and scripture for her husband. And she's gets to the point as she tells it that um, she recalled that she had a podcast saved that she wanted to listen to. So, trying to find encouragement, trying to find direction, she goes and she she turns on this podcast of this uh, Bible teaching that she wanted to hear. She had saved on her list for a while, and. <clears throat> she's listening to this and in the middle of this man's teaching, uh, the way she describes it is he stops his message in the middle of his teaching and he says, <laughs> he, he says, I just gotta, I gotta say this. He says, there's a woman out there. There's a woman out there who has been standing in the gap for her husband all night long praying for him. And I just need her to know that God has heard your prayers. Keep in mind this is a podcast, pre-recorded, and somewhere else. I need you to, I I, I just stop in the middle of my teaching. There's a woman out there who's been awake all night long, praying and interceding, standing in the gap for her husband. I need you to know, woman, I need you to know that God has heard your prayers. You can write that off. You can think what you want about that. But the next day, my father-in-law gets up and goes to his meeting, at uams okay so he gets up he goes to the meeting as he planned to and he's walking down the hall at uams uh, and he begins to black out and begins to start to stumble towards the ground people rush around him because you're at a hospital and they do that sort of thing and so when he's about to fall out about to black out people rush to him multiple people rush to his side to check on him one of which turns out to be the chief of staff of the entire hospital pretty good person to catch you when you're trying to fall. They go through the whole deal. Why are you not in my hospital? He gives a bunch of lame excuses of why that wasn't happening. Ultimately, he just didn't want to go. Um, But when you black out and the chief of staff catches you in the hallway, Um, as the week played out, he received all the help that he needed. Um... In fact, before his wife even knew that he was in the hospital for something other than a meeting, the chief of staff have already arranged the proper meetings and visits with the lung doctor that he had needed to see for months. That lung doctor comes in. Turns out that they don't think he has a disease at all, but um, something that's environmental that can be treated and helped. Okay. I need you to know that your prayers have been heard. And God provided for him all week long in the most miraculous ways, taking care of him in this week. Um, So I ask you this, what do stories like that do for you? What do they do to you, for you, whichever way? It's like when you hear that, where's your mind go? Okay. My first thought is, it's so amazing, but we should expect that, Mm -hmm. you know, it should be expected, it is amazing. Mm -hmm. Encouragement, amazement. Reaffirms your faith. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of little fish in that pan. Right? Anybody hear that and they're like, "I don't know." Or you want to rationalize why? And you're like, "Ah, well, it's a cool story, but it's like I don't, I don't, I don't know if A plus B equals C or if like maybe it's random, maybe it's happenstance." Right? It kind of reiterates to me that. God's plans are, our plan is not often the best, because if he had not gone to the meeting, which was -hmm. our plan, he'd have died in his house. Yeah, you just stay and deteriorate in your home. Yeah. So here's my follow-up question to you, and this is where Mm -hmm. we start our conversation this morning. Do you expect God to answer your prayers? And when you pray, do you expect that God's going to answer this? Maybe let me word it a different way. Do you think it's more likely than not to hear from or see God act on behalf of that request? Like when I'm saying, God, will you do this? Here's this. And I expect that it's more likely than not that I'm either going to hear from him or see him respond in some form or fashion. Do you have that expectation? Be honest with me. I I expect a response, but I'm more like hopeful. I hope the response is what I'm like. I've got it already predetermined in my mind a lot of times. I wonder if it's actually going to be what I think it is. So he's going to do something. Something. I don't know if it's where where I'm at. May not be what I'm targeted towards, though. People have said for forever, that God always answers prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not now. So it's like, eh, maybe he'll do what I want. Maybe he'll say no. (laughs) Or not yet. I mean, do you expect that God's going to answer your prayers? Put this way, there's... You know what it's like to be waiting on a phone call? (laughs) Or like... This week we had Shelly's sister and family come into our house and our kids are waiting on their cousin to show up. And you're expecting that car to pull into the driveway. So what happens when you have that expectation that my cousin is coming to the house and we're getting ready for her and we're excited for her and we know she's coming and we're looking out the window and every car that comes by close to our house is like, that's got to be her because I know she's coming. And it's like every car, assume it's nighttime and you see headlights, it's like, there's Ava, there's Ava, there's Ava. And you're almost like offended that somebody else drove by your house when you're waiting for them. It's like, oh, I can't believe that wasn't her. It's like, because I know she's coming, I have full expectation that she's coming. And so therefore, when you see the headlights, you assume that that's her because you know she's coming. Like, do you expect God to answer your prayers in that way? Yeah, flight. In Acts chapter 12, there was this situation where King Herod, in charge of the Roman Empire, the church is really new, really young, starting to take off right after Jesus was crucified, resurrected from the grave, and ascended to the Father. And now the church is spreading like wildfire. And Rome and the Jews didn't like that, so Herod begins to persecute the Christians. It says in Acts 12 that he, uh, he had James uh, put to death to try to stop this movement of the church. Had James put to death and he had Peter put in prison. So you can see this happening in in Acts chapter 12. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. That's what it says in Acts chapter 12. Peter is put in prison, but the church is praying fervently for him, on his behalf, for his release, for his freedom, for his being set free, for his safety. And miraculously, Acts 12 describes how Peter is set free from prison, and he shows up knocking on the door of this prayer meeting. Keep in mind, this group of people on their face before God in this house saying, Lord, we give Peter to you. We want you to set him free. We ask you to protect him. We ask you to to bring him back to us. Hello, can I come in? And this young girl goes to the door and Peter says, hey, it's Peter. And she's like, oh, it's Peter. It's him. It's him. And then she runs back into the room and says, everybody, Peter's at the door. And they're like, no, he's not. No, maybe it's his angel. It's not Peter. It says she recognized his voice because of her joy. She didn't open the gate, but ran in, announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. They didn't even say it was not him. They said, you're out of your mind, they told her. No one opened the door as they did not expect him to show up, as if they had completely already forgot what they were praying for. It's like we're in the middle of a prayer meeting for one thing, that one thing happens, and it's like, oh, we didn't expect that to happen. Do do you remember what we're gathered for, right? So when Jesus teaches us to pray, a part of what he's teaching includes petitioning or requesting. We're, We're requesting him to act, and in which category of people do we land? Are we those looking for the headlights saying, I know it's coming, I know it's coming, I know it's coming, and every movement that I see around me, I assume is that movement? Or do we fall in the category of those who, like, oh, I already forgot what I was praying for because I really didn't expect it to happen? Like, be honest, right? This is not like a beat you up sort of thing. It's just like, how do we pray? What do we expect? Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, he says, Our Father in heaven, when they said, how do we pray? Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So much of what Jesus is teaching here is to, to make a petition, to make a request, saying, we ask you to change this. We ask you to act on our behalf. And he's teaching us to do this and part of that. Part of what you all said last week is what kind of petitions do we make? Some categories you gave, we ask for provisions. We're like, God, we need the money to take care of this situation, Right. We ask for God to provide. We ask for direction. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. So God, I ask you for direction. We're asking God to save us. Either save me from my sins because I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that if I try to dig myself out, I'm only digging a deeper hole. So if God doesn't reach in and save me from the debt that I have in my sin, then I'm doomed. So God, save me from my sin or save me from my circumstance. Because here I am and I I don't have a way out of this. So I'm asking you to act on my behalf and remove the situation. Help me in my circumstance. We pray for healing and we pray for forgiveness. We pray for a lot of things. So, there's two other scriptures I want us to look at this morning that I believe help us move from those who like forget what we just prayed for because we don't expect it to happen. Help us move from that to move towards those who are expectantly looking that at any moment God's showing up. Like, He's he's about to do this. Like, I've asked Him and I know that He's heard me, and I'm looking for it, I'm expecting it. There's two scriptures that I think will shift us a little closer to that. Let me ask you this question. What, and we've talked about this multiple times, so what types of things cause anxiety in our life? Give me some categories. Doubt. Doubt, you say. Doubt in what? Doubting yourself. Okay. towards a certain goal. Okay. Doubt, lack of confidence, all those things that go with that. Self doubt, God doubt, all kinds of doubt. What other what are some causes of anxiety? Business. Is that like an I? I'm using a Y, because if I used the I it was business, and that didn't seem right. It's like busyness, I get, it's one of the things we always say that we need to have margin in our time. It's like if if I've got like this much time in a day and this much time is taking up, then if something wants to insert itself into my day, I become anxious. Why? Because I don't have any more to give. I don't have any more. How am I gonna fit this in? Right, so that's why we encourage you. Don't use up all your time, so that if either God wants to insert Himself or there's an opportunity that you've still got time left in your day, so that extra opportunities don't cause anxiety. Okay, so busyness. What else? Lack of. I was trying to put that in one word, I didn't, lack of. I just don't know. Don't know what's going on. Don't know to think about it. Don't know how to process it. Creates anxiety. Okay? Waiting. Waiting. Somebody to get there? Mm Mm-hmm. Like your cousin? Yeah. Now my enthusiasm has turned to anxiety because they took longer than I thought they were going to. And now I'm waiting and this why is this taking so long? What happened to them on the road? Maybe they had an accident. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're this. Maybe they're that. I remember being little and my mom was all, she was late for something and I immediately thought mom was dead. Like, my brain went straight there as a 10-year-old kid and I'm like, "Oh, ah. Waiting does that to us. Let me give you one more. Really, I'm going to give you one. All yours are wonderful, but I'm going to tell you a story based on mine, so... Another one is change. Change creates anxiety sometimes. Change uh, is a big anxiety creator, and expecting your first child is kind of like the epitome of change. right? We had been married for, how long we have been married before we had Micah? Three, three years. Three years. So for three years we were married. We lived a block and a half that way. Man, I wish we still had that house. I could walk to church on Sunday. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Um so we're in this little house down here been married for 3 years expecting our first child and our whole world is going to change and never be the same. Shelley has always been anxious because of finances. She likes to have security. She likes to look at the checkbook and say we are in control. We got this. So when finances something like change shuffles the finances around Shelly has always had a tendency towards anxiety in that. Um, So when we're excited about a newborn baby, but she becomes anxious because that newborn baby has cost. And one of the costs that we had um, was baby furniture. I've told this story multiple times, but let me tell it in the context of this, that Micah's on the way, we don't have baby furniture, and she's not gonna sleep on my desk. Like, so we've got to shuffle our world around, and she's stressing a little bit about money, about the change, and baby furniture was today's source of anxiety. And Shelly's mom makes a comment: "Have you prayed that God would give you baby furniture?" And Shelly's response to her mother's question was laughter. So if you go back to the Old Testament and God tells Abraham and Sarah that you're going to have a child, and what does Sarah do? She laughs. <laughs> We're too old for that. I'm past my prime. The same thing. Have you prayed that God would give you burn up baby furniture? <laughs> God's got bigger fish to fry. He's not worried about my baby furniture. Blah, 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 blah. And she laughs about it. Well, when the dust settled, she was like, well, maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I should pray for baby furniture. I don't know how this works, but I'm going to try it. God, would you give us baby furniture? Well, a couple weeks went by, baby furniture was never dropped off on the doorstep of our house, so she went on JCPenney, ordered the baby furniture that we wanted online, it shows up, we put it together, we put it in the bedroom. Everything rocks on like normal. I believe it's the week after I assembled the baby furniture. Let me tell you this, God does not judge you for cuss words because when I put baby furniture together, there was a lot of cuss words that were spoken and he still did what I'm about to tell you he did. It's like Christmas Eve is the most evil night. Because we can't afford to buy stuff that's already put together. So I got to, anyways, I digress. So we put it together, put it in the room, go to church the next Sunday. We're serving in a church across the interstate, very much similar setting as this um, young church. And and we're serving over there and we go to church and there were two envelopes left at the desk of the church. Um, They have my name on the envelopes, but they didn't have any information about who they came from and inside each envelope was a check. And when we put this check and this check together, they equaled the exact amount of the baby furniture that we had purchased a couple weeks previously. Like we had stopped looking, but when I showed up, the two checks, which were not connected to each other, and probably didn't even know the other one existed, and nobody knew what we had paid for baby furniture. In fact, I don't think anybody knew that we'd paid anything For baby furniture. But the amount equals the amount of furniture in our home. Paul says in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, through prayer and petition, as some of them say, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love that verse because when he says he'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, it's actually a military term. Jesus sets up an army around your heart and around your mind when you pray with thanksgiving. Jesus establishes a military front to keep the evil one from penetrating your heart and your mind when you pray with petitions through thanksgiving. I'm like, he will kick the enemy's tail and keep him at bay for you. So let me tell you this. Thanksgiving. There you go. Keeps my petition Owning me until I own my petition. Thanksgiving keeps my petition from owning me until I own my petition. Right? Because how do I know if what I'm asking for owns me? If I'm anxious about it. How do I know if the thing that I'm requesting God to do has power and authority over me? It causes anxiety. Like if I don't get this and if I don't get it quick, I'm going to fall apart. I'm like being pulled to pieces because I don't have this thing. It owns you. It owns you. But thanksgiving keeps your petition from owning you until you own it. Because if I believe that God's going to move on behalf of my petition... And I give him thanks. God, thank you for what? Thank you for this child. Thank you. We have prayed for this daughter for years, and you are now giving this daughter to us. Thank you for that. Now that you've given her to us, there are some things that we need. But I'm going to praise you for the coming of our child, and you know the needs we have before we even have them. But let me say it anyways we could use some baby furniture. You have provided this child and you will provide the furniture. Thank you. We're going to sit and wait in peace. This will not own us. But I believe that you'll provide and we'll own it. Right? Thanksgiving keeps my petition from owning me until I own my petition. Otherwise, we pray, God, give me this, 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 give me this. And when I don't get it, it controls me. Thanksgiving is the key to that. Uh, I recall one night getting ready for church on a Wednesday. Um, every time I remember, churches like meet in buildings on Wednesday. It's still, I'm like, oh, people still do that because uh, we're in a house or somewhere else. Um, but I used to get ready every Wednesday night. I'd go home, take a shower, get ready. Students were about to come. And so I'm at the house taking a shower, getting ready for church, and I remember like this deep conviction. I'm like, just, I have to pray for this father and son who's a part of my life right now. And it's like I remember thinking that praying for them wasn't even an option. See, I had um, this son who was considering Jesus for the first time, like he had never heard about Jesus until we met each other. And then over the course of a number of months, I'd been sharing Jesus with him. He'd been sitting under my teaching. He'd been reading the Bible. And he was being exposed to the gospel for the first time. And he was considering Jesus. And I remember the father of the son, like, had been far away from Jesus, far away from God for a long time. Grew up in a a Christian setting, but had left the church, like, 15, 20 years ago and we encounter each other and begin to share the gospel with him again, remind him of the goodness of God in his life. And and, and I remember that he was like reorienting his life because as he was reminded of the gospel and brought back into a faith community it's like, number one, he'd spent the last 15 years like just doing whatever he wanted. And Part of what we found him in is he was living with his girlfriend at the time and marriage wasn't even on his radar and he was just doing his thing. But now he's opened up the scriptures and he's reading passages like Hebrews 13 where it says that, that we are to honor marriage that God has established and we are to keep the marriage bed pure and he's reading passages like this and he's like, oh. God's working in his life. He's revealing things in his life. His son is opening the Bible, seeing the gospel that all of sin had fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes through Christ Jesus, and they're both reading these things, and I can tell that God's active in both of their lives. And I'm in the shower getting ready for church, and I just feel this deep conviction that I need to pray for them, not general, not uh, random prayers, but I said, God, I, I ask you that you would save this son, that he would announce that Jesus is the Lord, that he would announce his faith in Jesus and that he would be baptized. And I didn't, it's just like, I know this is what I have to pray for. Let him proclaim faith in Jesus and be baptized. And I'm deeply convicted that I have to pray for the Father. Let him marry his girlfriend. I want to see him get married. I want to see him get married. Save the son, let him be baptized and let this couple be married. And I knew specifically that I had to pray for that. So I go to church that night. I go through my teaching. We go through our spiel. And as soon as I was done teaching, the son walks up to me and says, Hey, I want to be baptized. Like, I've prayed that Jesus will save me. Like he has. And I want to be baptized to show that. And I'm like, that's awesome. I didn't tell him, but I just prayed for you like two hours ago, like that very thing. And then as soon as he turns away and walks away, his father walks up, because his dad used to come sit in our youth groups every now and then. And his dad walks up, he says, hey, check this out. And it was a wedding ring that he was about to give his girlfriend. I'm going to propose to her today. He put it back in his pocket. I'm like, what? I prayed for both of those things today. Like right before I came here and both of them in an instant were fulfilled. These men were seeking after God and when they perceived to be given an answer through Jesus, they chose not to doubt it, but they chose to receive it. Like when the son looked at the scripture and said, Jesus is salvation for the world, that I have sinned and I need a payment for my sin. I received that. I don't doubt it. And the father, when he would read things about purity, and when he thinks about honoring marriage, he's like, I receive that. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm going to receive it. And James chapter one tells us, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. I mean, when you ask God, God, I don't know what to do with this. I need your wisdom. It's like he's not looking at you saying, dang, dude, hadn't you learned this yet? Hadn't you figured that? Why why are you waiting so long? He's like, I'm not going to look at you like that. I'm not going to treat you like that. He says, I give generously to all who ask me for wisdom and it'll be given. But. Let him ask in faith without doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double minded and unstable in all his ways. So when you ask God for wisdom, God, here I am. I ask you for wisdom. I don't think that you need to read that and say, I need to ask that in 100% full faith without any question. I think you need to read that and say, when I ask you and you answer, I receive it and not reject it. It's because those two men, those two guys in my life, they did not choose to doubt it, but they chose to receive it. It's like, is Jesus payment for my sin? God, give me wisdom to know that. And when I perceive that God is saying, he is, he is, he is, I'm going to choose to take that and run with it, not to doubt it. Because if I'm going to ask God for wisdom, God, tell me what I should think about marrying my girlfriend. And God says, I want you to honor the institution of marriage that I have established. It is my design for your relationship. And all the fullness of your joy will be found as you walk in obedience to my design. I'm going to ask you. And that's what God says. I'm going to, I'm not going to doubt that. I'm going to take it and run with it. Now, there may be doubts and struggles and wrestling things along the way. But he says, if you ask me and I give it to you and then you doubt it and you go somewhere else to try to find a banner, answer. He said, you're unstable in everything you do and you shouldn't expect anything from me. But if you ask me and I tell you and you receive it without doubting it, you go and you do it and you run with it. And we give generously. We give generously. And that's what those two men did in that moment. When I was preparing for this message, like I said, my week was insane. So I prepped for this message last night. And as I'm sitting here studying and preparing for this, my phone dinged. Number one, I hate my phone dinging when I'm preparing for a message, but this one was ironic. Because my phone dinged, and it was a friend of mine named Tony. Tony's in leadership at another church in our community. And Tony, uh, part of that leadership, he said, we pray for other churches like every Sunday. He said, it's just part of what we do. And he said, I wanted to ask, is there a way that we could pray for City Church tomorrow morning? I'm like, whoa. That's ironic, because we're talking about prayer, right? Um, So I told him some exciting things that are going on in our church family and in our city. And I told him this. I said, many of us are on the threshold of like new faith and life-changing faith decisions. We're just like, we're here. And it's like, at any moment, I feel like the door could swing open and like this massive movement of people living by faith and making faith decisions and choosing Jesus. And I just feel like we're all here. And at any moment... We could all be there and just all just living by faith and taking these miraculous life-changing steps as we choose Jesus or as we choose to obey Jesus and other things. And I just asked him, I said, would you agree? Would your church pray for the Spirit of God to move in a way that that helps us to do that? Because we're on the verge of seeing something really incredible take place. He said, I'll do that. I'll do that. So here's the deal. As I prayed for those two men who were seeking God's wisdom, one was seeking it for salvation, the other was seeking it for the relationships in his life. And I was praying for those men seeking wisdom. There is a church praying for us right now. There's another church praying for us right now as we seek God's wisdom. And I'm going to ask you, we're going to play this video From the Lord's Prayer, it's a song. The Lord's Prayer is put to song. And as we play this video, I'm asking you to ask God for wisdom for the place you find yourself in right now. Okay? For where you are right now, where you find yourself in your life right now, and you're on the threshold of big moves that take faith, big moves that take boldness, big big moves that take God giving wisdom, you receiving it and running with it. Not doubting it, but taking it and saying, God, I receive what you say and I'm going to go. I'm going to ask you to pray as as we play this video. You don't even have to look at the video. Close your eyes, bow your head, do whatever you do and just say, God, here's where I'm at. And I'm asking you for wisdom. And we know that there's a church across town interceding for us, praying for us right now. And they're asking the Spirit to speak to you right now. And you're asking God to speak to you right now. And we believe that God, when we pray, God moves, God answers, God does things. So we're going to ask and then we're going to look like we're waiting for that car to show up at night. We're looking for the headlights. We're waiting on God to speak. And when we perceive that He has answered and He has directed, I ask you to receive it with faith and not with doubting. Because if you lift this to God and you say, God, here's where I'm at in my life. I need, I, I need some direction right now. I need your wisdom. And if he speaks and you doubt it and you don't receive it, he says you shouldn't, you shouldn't expect to receive anything else. He calls us unstable. But if you'll receive it and not doubt it, I think you should expect to see a lot more. As you walk in the wisdom and the counsel of the Lord. Okay? So we have another church across town praying for you right now. And I'm going to ask you to pray like James says in James chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Pray for wisdom. God gives generously to all who ask. It will be given to you. But let's pray with faith, not with doubting. When He speaks, let's receive it. For where you are in your life. For what stands in front of you. so God, I need your wisdom. What do you have to say about it? I'm going to receive it and we're going to move ahead. Okay? So Zach's going to play that video. And I ask you, the next few moments, seek our Heavenly Father, looking for His wisdom, and see what He says.